This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I couldn't see any other option either. So to me, it was just so crystal clear that this is the path I need to walk. And I never looked back. It never crossed my mind to go back to a corporate job. I mean, it was just one of those things like the heavens said, this is where you're supposed to go and just go and don't look back. And that's what I did. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Kelly Day, and there are several things we talked about that made me really excited to bring to you. And one of those things is actually more, I'm more excited for myself, is about how she acquired her studio because it has me really thinking about how I'm going to get my own next studio. And then another thing is how she brings in most of her clients because she is definitely thought outside of the box with this. Kelly really took a leap with leaving her full-time job because she was the breadwinner of her family, and she actually still is today with her portrait business, so I just have a feeling that you are going to be really inspired after listening to her. So thank you again for listening, and here is Kelly Day. Hey, Kelly, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking time out to do this recording with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I love your story because I feel like it's a situation where all of the stars just sort of aligned for you to have this photography business. And I think that it's going to be really inspiring for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I think what what we'll do to start is go back to before you were a photographer. I know you were in the corporate world and, you know, it was just something that you were ready to get out of. But I'd love for other people to just get an understanding of what you were doing before photography and how you found photography. Yeah, of course. So back in 2005, I was pregnant with my first child and I decided to buy a camera. The reason I wanted a camera was so that, of course, I could take pictures of the new baby, right? And a friend of mine had asked me to do a wedding and, you know, of course, a newbie with a camera, sure, I can do a wedding. (laughs) So um, I did that and it just was a nightmare. I was so nervous. You know, I wasn't at the right angles, the right lighting. It was hot. I was pregnant. It just, it was one of those things. I was like, nope, this is not for me. (laughs) No. And you're just real quickly, you're in Tennessee, right? I am. Yes. What's the closest big city to you there? Yeah. I'm just on the outside of Memphis in a suburb. 
Okay, yeah. So I could see how a wedding in the middle of the summer pregnant in Memphis would be like, yes, not knowing what you're doing <laughs> wholeheartedly would be that would be rough. <laughs> yes, super stressful. So, you know, I did that. And I really just took pictures of my kids. And you know, they both play sports. So I did that for a long time. And I saw one of my friends was doing Christmas card pictures. So I was like, Oh, that might be a good way to make some extra money. So I did that for a little bit. And, you know, I was always on auto. I didn't know what I was doing. But that triggered my mind to think, well, maybe I could do this on the side and earn some extra money. So because at the time you were working a full time job, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Working in corporate America, I would travel almost weekly to client locations all across the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot to travel like that weekly. Yeah. Okay, so you decided, all right, you know, I see my friend doing the whole Christmas card thing, and you tried that, and how did that go? I did. I did it for a couple of years, actually, and, you know, I would charge $100, and I would give them every picture I took that day, and then I decided I wanted to learn how to adjust the lighting and, you know, make the pictures look better than just, you know, a hobbyist. Right. So I just kind of went online and was looking for different ways to, you know, impact my skill. And I found Creative Live. And that's actually when I first found Sue. You know, there's always those classes that they do, you know, lesson one is free. And so I did that and I found Sue and I just really connected with her. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people say that, that instantly, as soon as they hear her, they've connected with her. What was it about Sue or what she teaches? Like, was it the style of photography that she teaches or was it what she was saying? Yeah, I don't even remember what the name of the class was that I took, but it was one where she was just really emotional. And I think she even cried during the first lesson. And she was just talking about the business and, you know, the way that we feel about ourselves. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that really connected. It wasn't her style necessarily, but just the way that she talked about women in general and how we feel about ourselves and it just really connected with me at that time. Okay, so at what point was this happening? Do you remember what year it was? I'm just trying to get a good picture of from when you first decided, like, I could probably do this for money to when you discovered Sue. Yeah, so it was probably after the first year. This was, I would say, 2015, maybe 2016 Okay, when I first found Sue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then from there, you're like, okay, I'm tra- I'm getting 100 100- $100 for all of these sessions that I'm doing. And I'm assuming that's a lot of work. I mean, especially for Christmas cards, because that probably entails a lot of kids and families. Yes, yes, it was a lot of work. And each session, I would spend, you know, 30 minutes to an hour with a family. And then I'm a real stickler for the details and the editing. And so I would spend several hours after the fact making sure, you know, people's teeth were white, that they didn't have any blemishes on their skin. And I just knew that that was not something that I could sustain. So it was really friends and family, you know, not really reaching out, trying to get new business at that point. But once I started learning, I was like, okay, I I can do this. Yeah. I mean, okay. So just thinking about charging $100 or even $200, and then you end up spending, you know, six to 10 hours. I mean, you're making less than minimum wage at that point when you add it all up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you realize this isn't sustainable, and then what happened from there? So that's when I found Sue Bryce Education, 
And I started just consuming as much information from her as I could. I mean, literally between conference calls, I was watching her videos. And, you know, when I watched her self-confidence videos and some of the sales videos, I mean, it really hit home that this is a business that can be sustainable and Mm -hmm. it's something that I needed to look at. So the first partnership I did was with one of my best friends. She owns a dance studio. So she and I had a conversation around photographing her dancers And so we came up with a package for the girls that were going to nationals that were going to be competing. I gave them a session with two free headshot images that they could use for their headshots for nationals. And of course, they each ended up buying more than the two. So it worked out good. And at that point, I was using Sue's pricing. And I was like, wow, people will actually spend money for this. So it was kind of an eye opener. Yeah, I bet. And you still love doing dance portraits today, don't you? I love dance portraits. You know, I grew up as a dancer and, you know, just there's so much passion in dance and in dancers. And I just love to see that come through in the photographs. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that you caught my eye. I mean, I know that we obviously have a little bit of a connection because I photographed you at the Portrait Masters Conference. So, you know, I got to know you a little bit. But ever since then, you know, I've been following you and I've just noticed your work is just like... It just has been blowing me away lately. And I was like, I have to check in with Kelly and see how she's doing because it just seems like, you know, everything you post just gets more and more beautiful. And I noticed about your dance portraits. And we'll come back to how you got to this point. But do you photograph a lot of dancers at this point? I do. I do a lot of dancers. And it's funny, one of the things that really stood out to me last year at Portrait Masters, we had the portfolio review. And I was able to sit down with Russell, who is who Sue used to work for. And one of the things that he talked about with my dancer portraits was he said, your portraits are beautiful and everything you're doing in them is fine. You know, maybe adjust the lighting some. He said, but I can tell just from looking at you and looking at your images that you feel like you're photographing someone else's work. And that really hit home to me. Ah. I think it was just a mental block that, you know, they are the artist and, you know, what they're doing is the art and I'm just photographing it. It was just a different mindset. Mm -hmm. And now I approach it so much differently. And I make sure to put an artistic spin on the photograph itself instead of just capturing their art, if that makes sense. It's just a whole different way of approaching it. Yeah. And I've noticed, like I said, in your work, and it was like, wow, I just could really see the growth. It's so awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Very cool. It's amazing how sometimes just one bit of feedback can really just be an eye opener for us. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times it's just as simple as your mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And and there have been times I remember getting feedback from someone, maybe when I didn't ask for it, and, you know, someone would write something about whatever I was doing. And at first I'd be like, ugh. And maybe it wasn't the appropriate <laughs> time or place. Like I hate on my client photos. Like on Instagram, for example, if I post a photo of a client and then someone decides they need to give me like criticism on it. And I'm like, come on, that's on my client's photos. Like if you right? really want to give me feedback, like send me a private message. <laughs> but anyways, I always appreciate getting feedback, even if at the time it might like bother me a little bit because it's so great to get that criticism so we can grow and learn. And even if we don't want to hear it at the time, it can be so helpful when someone else has their eye on our work. Exactly. Exactly. When I just love what Sue always says about if something's coming to you, there's a lesson to be learned. And so I always right. look at things like, okay, wh- where's my lesson? I know there's something I need to learn here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. It's such a good way to look at things. Okay. So you had that agreement with your friend, with her dance studio. Where were you photographing these girls? 
Actually, I had a studio in my house at that time that we had one of those houses that have a room above the garage. And so I just converted Mm -hmm. it into a studio. But it was challenging because if we wanted to do any sort of leaps or jumps, you know, it was one of those rooms with the ceilings that were slanted. So we had to get really creative in how we did that. But yeah, so we just did it right there in the house. And we actually, we have a trampoline in the backyard. So sometimes I would even shoot them outside and just cut them out of the picture so that we could get some really good images. Kelly, that's so smart to use a trampoline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. And even one time we did go to their dance studio and I just brought a little mini tramp. And so we used that. That is so smart. I love it. Very cool. Okay. So then, and I can relate to the slanted walls. My first (laughs) studio that I rented, it had the slanted walls and I had to cut all of my backdrops because I was using V flats and polyboards. Yes. I had to cut it down to six feet because of the slant. (laughs) It yes. was it was hard. It was really uh, hard because I yeah. So I can't imagine trying to put dancers in there. Oh my gosh! Right. Okay. So at the time though, you're still full time with your corporate job. Correct. Okay. So you do the the dancing photos. You're finding like okay, people are actually spending money on this. And then what happens? So I did that for probably about two years, honestly. And then I had an opportunity at my corporate job. We were purchased by a larger corporation, and they were making some cuts. This all took place over the course of about two years, and my department was one that was about to take some cuts. So I had an opportunity to get a severance package, and so to me, that was... It was really hurtful because, you know, I had always been a high achiever and always in, you know, like the top 10, and to think that, you know they're cutting our department from 250 people to 20, I knew that there was a high likelihood that if I didn't volunteer, that that would be something that would come back and, you know, I would get cut. So I decided to take the severance package and use that for, you know, the first six months to a year to start my studio. And to me, it was like the universe telling me, okay, this might hurt right now, but this is what you're supposed to be doing. So here's your opportunity and go do it. And so I did. Did you feel like, you know, if if the severance package hadn't come about, had it ever crossed your mind to quit at that point? Oh, yeah. It had crossed my mind so many times. I just didn't know how I could do it because, you know, you have bills to pay, right? And you Mm -hmm. have a certain standard of living. And, you know, we had been saving and saving and saving. So we did have a good savings account built up that if I wanted to, I probably could have anyway. But that was just that little push that the universe said, okay, go, like, this is your time. Yeah, and to get a severance package, we see oftentimes questions in the Subrice members Facebook group where people are like, how do I know that it's time to take the leap and and get the studio rent? And it's such a personal decision. Like, I did it with zero savings. In fact, I was in debt when I did it. I don't recommend that to anyone. But I knew I had clients coming in, so I felt I had a strong portfolio. Like I felt like, okay, I can do this because I've got some clients coming in and I felt ready. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people would never take that leap if they didn't have, you know, a year's savings of rent, studio rent ready to go. And it's such a personal decision, but I could see how having a severance package at least gives you that cushion. Like I know I'm not going to be going into debt if I don't have tons of clients coming in. Like, did that help? with that fear or whatever? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I had thought about it so many times before the severance package, you know, option came about. And I had written out budget after budget, you know, trying to figure out, can I do it? Can I not do it? And even that first 
I don't know, eight or nine months, I still had my home studio. I didn't go out and get a studio until much later. But okay, I just knew that I, I just had to do it. I mean, I would go to work, and I would hate every minute of it. And I just knew I couldn't keep doing that. It just wasn't where my heart was. And, you know, I grew up a creative, and what I was doing was not creative at all. And it just, I knew I had to do it. Right. Now, I know you have a son, and I know you have a husband. Mm-hmm. So was your husband at the point financially where, you know, he could cover everything if you, you know, it weren't bringing in any money through photography? No. Matter of fact, I was the breadwinner. So he's a teacher. And so we all know teachers don't make all that much. (laughs) Right. So for me, I needed to know that I could at least replace what my salary was. I knew we could live off of that. You know, at my previous job, of course, I had bonuses and commission checks and things like that that were extra. And we would use that for fun things. But I knew that we could pay our regular bills as long as I could make the same as what my salary was paying before. So that was always the goal. Do you make that now? I do now. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. So you make now, let's see, you said you quit in 2017. Mm-hmm. So three years later, you're making the same salary that you were making at your corporate job full time. Yes. And I've even hired a studio manager. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, studio manager sounds so dreamy. I need one of those. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. Oh, that's so good to hear. How long did it take for you to get to the point where you were making the same amount of salary? And I know you said that it doesn't necessarily include the commissions, but as far as salary goes, do you remember how long it took? It took about 18 months. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so you said it wasn't until much later that you ended up getting the studio. At what point did you decide you were going to take the leap with that studio rent. It's funny how the universe works because I wasn't even looking for a studio space. It just came to me. I have a a good friend. Her grandson plays baseball with one of my boys. And she called me one day and she said, hey, don't think I'm crazy, but there's this little bitty house and it's a cute 1937 cottage that's for sale. And I think it would be the cutest studio. So I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. And drove by, and I was like, yes, whatever it is, just yes, go go do your thing. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of a, a weird situation where we didn't get the first offer. Someone else had it. There was a renter living in it, so we had to wait for him to move out. There was just a lot of things, but thankfully, my dad was able to help me get the house, and so it's been great. I love it. So instead of renting a studio, you bought one. Yeah, <laughs> Okay, this is so fascinating to me because I'm really into real estate investing right now. Mm -hmm. And that just makes so much sense because when I send that rent check every month for, I have two studios Mm -hmm. and I share them. So I cut costs that way. But sending those checks, it, it just like, I hate it. Right. Because it's going to nothing. Like, because I know so much about real estate investing now and just seeing my my rent money go towards nothing, it's just like, oh, so frustrating. So I'm so fascinated by this. Now, like, is it like a house or, you know, I know you said it's a cottage, but what is it like inside and what is it like around the surrounding area of it? Like, is it in a neighborhood? Yeah. So it is the cutest place ever. In the particular area that I'm in, it's a mix of residential and commercial. So, you know, on one side of me, there's a upscale hair salon. On the other side, there's a hormone therapy place. There's the Vein Institute. There's a CrossFit gym. You know, there's all oh, these things nice. that are right here. Yeah. And then there's a couple of houses, too, that are intermingled in between. 
but it's so cute. It's got a little gravel driveway. It's a two bedroom. So I use one of the bedrooms for my office and also a changing room. So I have, you know, a a big thing for them to hang their clothes when they come in. I have one room that's dedicated solely to hair and makeup. And then I have my shooting room, which is the den. And of course, there's a full kitchen. So if I want to make something or, you know, have Mm -hmm. something catered in, I have somewhere to keep it and keep it warm. And there's even a full bathroom. So, you know, sometimes we do these crazy portraits where we paint people. So they actually have somewhere to shower before they leave. Wow. This is amazing. And my mind (laughs) is like going a mile a minute thinking like, hmm, how could you do this? Because I'm assuming that your mortgage is probably less than what you would pay for rent. Right. So, well... It kind of worked out really good because the way that they sold the house, it was cash only. Mm. So my dad is essentially my mortgage. So I'm just making payments to him. Yeah. But it's absolutely less than what it would have been to pay rent. Because around here, rent, you know, for something this size would be upwards of fifteen hundred, two thousand a month. Right. Wow. That's so awesome. And you you guys get the appreciation on it. Right. Yes. And I have a nice yard so we can do outdoor pictures too. Right. I love it. Very cool. Okay. So at this time, are you doing all dance and like you just mentioned some paint portraits, you know, what is bringing in the most money and your bread and butter at this point? I would say the majority of my clients are personal branding. Um, I do a lot of headshots and branding Mm -hmm. images. I would say realtors are probably the largest portion of those. But then I also do a lot of dancers. I have a lot of kids that come in that are into sports. And so I do a lot of sports pictures. I also do, like I mentioned, those painted ones. We call them living portraits. And Mm -hmm. those are probably the highest dollar per sale. But I don't do as many of them. We do maybe one a month of that. Okay. And and what's your pricing like and your sales average? Yeah. So I adopted Sue's model, you know, when I first started with that that first dance studio. So my packages range from 1200 to 2900 And if I had to average all the different ones together, I would say it's about 1500 But the regular portraits average about 1500 The branding is a little bit lower than that, about 1200 And then the living portraits average about 3000 Oh, wow. And do you do packages? Or are you doing a la carte? I do mostly packages. I do a la carte also, but 90% of them do the folio box. Now, for people who are listening who might not know what a folio box is, will you explain a little bit? Sure. This is how I explain it to my clients. <laughs> it's a, a folio box that is made out of leather. It comes from a castle in Italy from Graffy Studios. Mm-hmm. And the top of it actually opens up like a picture frame. So you can put it on your shelf, change out the pictures at any time. You can even take one out and gift it to a family member. Or if you need it for a resume or whatever, they can always use that as well. But they're beautiful. Very cool. I, I love the Graffy Studio boxes. And I've actually been to that castle for a, a workshop that Sue has done. And oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. That's like my dream to visit there. <laughs> okay. So since you do personal branding and then the dance sort of like, you know, living portraits. Now, do you combine, you know, the two different genres on your website and on your Instagram? That's kind of like a heated a heated discussion that people have, maybe not heated, probably isn't the right word, but it's something we talk about because people want to know, like, can I combine all of these genres into one brand? So I'm curious what you do. I do. Everything I have is all under Kelly Day Portraits. Now, the living portraits, I do have an artist that I work with, so we created our own brand for that, but I also share everything on Kelly Day Portraits as well. And then do you find any, like, pushback around that, or do you think that 
Because that's what people are worried about. Like, well, if there's, you know, headshots next to a newborn or headshots next to a creative portrait, are people going to think that? And I'm always like, I just, I just don't see it being a big deal to combine the two. You know, I've never heard anybody say anything negative about it. At one point, I did separate my sports from Mm -hmm. my regular portrait work. And I still kind of keep that separate just because it's more volume-based. You know, it's team and individual and, you know, game coverage type stuff. So I do feel like that's a little bit different. But most of the people that follow my portrait page also follow the sports. Okay, cool. And and how are you doing the sports photographs? Like, is it just where you do the individual kids as a, for their team shots? Are you doing action stuff? How, what does that look like? Yeah, I do a little bit of both. You know, I mentioned earlier, I'm married to a coach. He coaches baseball and football, and then both of my boys play sports. So we're very connected in the world of athletes. So I do that really almost for marketing. It's just to get to know the parents, to get to know the kids, Mm -hmm. and to market to them that, hey, yes, I do this, but I also do all this other stuff too. So I don't follow Sue's model on that. It's more of a volume-based model. And again, I'd use it for marketing. Okay, and that was my next question. So I'm glad you said that it kind of led right into it that of what do you do to get your clients? And I think that's such a smart move, because you've got access to a lot of families that way. And a lot of women, a lot of mothers, yes, a lot of I'm assuming high school seniors, you know, yes, with the whole sports world. So, so how does that work? How do you convert them from, you know, the the high volume sort of sports photography into a personal branding client or a glamour client or whatever. Yeah, so it usually starts with I'm not real pushy about, you know, hey, you need to use me, but you know, I just add them to my email list and so they're seeing stuff and I just let them come to me. So you know, I just want to stay in their mind that mm-hmm. yes, I'm a photographer and yes, I do the kids sports stuff, but I have this whole studio and this whole other world of photography that I want them to know about and they just come to me. Like I've had several moms that are realtors that mm-hmm. hey, I need some new branding, you know, do you do that kind of thing? And of course I'm like, absolutely. So yeah, it can really can cross over. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people forget that, like they don't necessarily want to do a certain genre, which I get, we don't want to spend all of our time doing something that we don't want to. But I'm assuming something like what you're doing, even if once a year, you're taking a couple days to do these sports photos. And yes, you might not be, you know, making a ton of money on it. But in the end, the return on it from the marketing piece seems like it's just priceless. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, a lot of times I'll try to find out if they own businesses. And so I look to do partnerships with those businesses too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I can see how that opens just a whole world. Can you give us an example of how, you know, something like that has worked out with another business? Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've had some that have worked really good and I've had some that didn't work the way I thought they would. This one's going to sound kind of funny, but actually I partnered with a roofing company. And the way that we did that was anytime somebody, you know, got a new roof and they upgraded. So it's not just, you know, if insurance covered everything, but if they did spend the money to upgrade the roof, we gave them a voucher for a family session in front of their home and they would get one free eight by 10 out of it. So that was another way for me to expose people that maybe had never heard of me to my photography services. And for each one of those, I required that they come into the studio for a consultation. So they're seeing the studio, they're seeing my work, I'm able to connect with them and 
Yeah, so that one worked out good. And then I've done other things, too, like with an orthodontist office, you know, when people get their braces off. Mm-hmm. I've worked with different spas and salons. I just actually finished working on one, you know, after all of this COVID-19 stuff is over, when people go back to get their Botox or facials or whatever, we're doing a package called Back to Me. And so when they get back to who they are, they get basically a credit towards a session. That's so smart. It sounds like business-to-business marketing is a huge part of how you get your clients. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I've actually never heard of anyone using a roofing company before. Right. (laughs) But that just goes to show that I mean, you got to get outside of the box when it comes to who you can partner with. Sue has the, a video, I don't know if you ever watched it, but on the website, it's called Business to Business Marketing. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gives a formula of how to approach businesses and how to make it work with other businesses. So I love that you're doing this. And, and I think one piece to the puzzle is it's not just what can they do for you, but what can you do for them? So if it's like if you approach a business as, you know, can I basically have your client base or whatever, <laughs> like what's in it right. for them? So I'm curious, what do they get out of it, you know, on their end? Right. So the way I approach them is that it's a win for them and a win for me. So, you know, I'll give you the example of the spa. You know, she's trying to get clients in to do more than just getting their hair done and their nails done. And she really wants to push the facials and the Botox and the waxing and all that stuff that maybe people aren't going to do right away when they first are able to go back to the salon. And so this was a way for her to give something back to her clients to draw them to do some higher-end services. And it's good for me because now they're going to look beautiful and they're going to want their photos taken. Right, right. That makes so much sense. There's, I partnered with a, a realtor here in Michigan, and when she has some clients who she feels like are kind of, you know, her VIP clients, she gets them, she buys them my lowest package. So she's spending quite a bit of money. Oh, awesome. And yeah, and, and for her, it, it's, it's a way to gift something really special. And then on the certificate, it says like value of $1,200. So they know, you know, it's a pretty amazing gift. And for her, it makes her clients feel special. And then obviously for me, it's money in my pocket. And then likely I am going to upsell to the next package because she's already right. purchased the first package. So yeah, it does. It, it really can work out in such a great way. And I'm wondering too, with, with all the businesses around you, have you ever done any kind of business business marketing with them? It's so funny. I was just thinking about that this morning. I have not. The salon up the street, I do know the owner we've connected through Facebook, but we have not sat down and had a business meeting yet. That is something that we talked about. We just haven't, we haven't been able to sit down and do it yet. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes I think it works out with businesses and sometimes it doesn't. Like I remember back when I was first starting, I was trying to partner with a hair salon and I photographed all of the ladies at no charge. You know, they did their hair and makeup, obviously, so it wasn't any money out of my pocket. And the idea was that they would have their maybe their photos, a photo, at least one of them at their station or just like talk about me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I never really got any clients out of it. And yeah. so I don't know. It could have been something that I did wrong. Maybe I didn't talk with the girls about what exactly they could say or maybe they were, you know, I don't, I don't know why it didn't work out. But I've worked with another hair and makeup artist in – since then, that has worked out so well. Like she sends me a lot of clients. So I think it's just a matter of finding, you know, the business that just seems to work well, mm-hmm. you know, with what you do. Cause sometimes it's going to work out great and sometimes it isn't. Right. It's funny because I had a very similar situation, but it was with a boutique. And I think the problem that I had was I didn't educate them on the front end um, mm-hmm. of what they were getting. And so, you know, I gave them each one free eight by 10. It was kind of like a portfolio building. 
But the premise was, you know, that they would refer me to their clients that would come in. And again, I got nothing. But I I think it was that I just didn't educate them in the beginning. Because we did connect. You know, we had a good relationship and still do. But yeah. Right. I think it does go back to that education piece and feeling very clear about this is what you get and this is what I get and making sure we're both happy about that. And that's something that I think can really, I mean, you have to have that conversation. It can't be like just assuming that they know what they're going to get. And in hindsight, (laughs) I'm sure that I was, you know, that I had made some mistakes along the way when it comes to that. But I think that is one of the most important pieces. And Sue does talk about that in the video Mm -hmm. that, yes, you have to really spell it out. And just like with our clients, we can't assume that they know what they're going to get for the pricing or whatever. We have to really be transparent and not assume they just know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like every time I've had a low sale or something, I can trace it back to likely either they w- I didn't educate them properly. You know, there was something about their photos that they didn't like. And the few no sales that I did have, they ended up being, well, one was because I didn't educate them. And I know that was totally my fault. It was at the beginning when I was afraid to say my pricing still. <laughs> but the other two times, maybe even three times, it was they didn't like their hair and makeup. But I had to ask them. I had to really make sure I understood what was going on. Like, okay, so I have a feeling, you know, I can tell you're not loving your photos, what's going on sort of situation and just really having that conversation. But in the end, like you said, so much of this is about education and just really having that conversation. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to encourage you to reach out to some of those businesses around you. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Just for sure. to see. So what other ways do you bring clients in aside from marketing business to business? I would say that's probably the largest way that I bring them in. And then the other one is just social media. I try to stay present. And it's funny because to me, I don't get that many likes and I don't get that many comments on my images. But everybody comes up to me and is like, oh, I saw you know so-and-so's picture on your Facebook page. So mm-hmm. I know they're seeing it. They're just not engaging. So that is one area that I've been trying to, you know, improve. But people are finding me that way. And I don't do ads or any of that stuff. It's all just, you know, tagging my clients, sharing it to my personal page. I was very intentional about growing my audience on Facebook, because that's where a lot of people were finding me in the beginning. So I think I have like 2300 followers now on Facebook, which to me is a, a lot. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and social media is such a powerful thing. And I love that you brought this up because a lot of people, I think, really focus on those likes and followers. And people, like you said, are not always going to show you that they're watching. But if they're interested in you, they are watching. So it's so important to always put our best foot forward if we are trying to use our social media as a platform to book clients. Right. Well, and I even schedule it out. So I use Hootsuite, which is the the tool that I use to post to both Instagram and Facebook. And I'll sit down like once a quarter and plan out the entire quarter. Mm. I mean, at one point I planned out six months worth of posts and had them scheduled, ready to go. Okay, I've tried. Like, I, I downloaded a couple apps onto my phone, and then I just stare at the app, and I'm like, I just can't. Like, my brain just does not does not work that way. I'm like, maybe I need to check out Hootsuite, or I don't know. But for some reason, I just cannot seem to plan it out ahead of time. But, you know, I, I do. I, I think it's just so important for people to understand that we only have a few seconds. If someone's interested in us, we have a few seconds on Instagram or Facebook or whatever for them to, just like with our website, for them to decide whether or not they're going to book us. Right. And people are watching. So if you're filling your Instagram feed or not filling it with anything, but if you're filling it with 
you know, like, it's, okay, don't get me wrong. It's great to add in personal stuff. I always get the most comments and likes on my personal stuff. Yes. But it's also so important for those potential clients to show your best work. And, yes. and you know, you don't always have to be posting the most amazing things, but, you know, every third photo should be one of your best photos that you've taken so that if they do scroll for a few seconds, they're seeing some of your very best work. Right, right. Well, what I did is every time I would see a quote that I liked, I would save it to my notes on my phone. And so I basically just put a quote with a picture. So I just look at all the quotes that I have for that month and I find pictures, whether they're a year old, two years old, it doesn't matter. It's still my work. So if it's something Mm -hmm. that relates to that quote, then that's what I do. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you have the note on your phone because sometimes, and this is another thing that comes up a lot, is I don't know what to say with my post or I don't know what to, right. you know, whatever. And so that's great if you're if you're keeping just some ideas in your phone so that you're not drawing a blank when it is time to post something. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now here you are three years after you took the severance package and that, mm-hmm. that buyout package. Think about like back then you know, obviously you're doing very well right now. You're making a fantastic income. Back then, did you ever see yourself getting to this point? I don't know that I would say I could see myself getting to this point, but I I couldn't see any other option either. So Mm -hmm. to me, it was just so crystal clear that this is the path I need to walk. And I never looked back. It never crossed my mind to go back to a corporate job. I mean, it was just one of those things like, the heavens said, this is where you're supposed to go and just go and don't look back. And that's what I did. I love that. It's almost like you just had the determination. But I'd like to think it's other things too. Like, what do you think your superpower is? You know, what what is it that makes you so successful? Wow, that is such a, that's a hard question. <laughs> I don't know what my superpower is. I need to figure <laughs> that out. Um, I don't know. I, I think to me, I've never seen people for their physical appearance. You know, my husband always gives me grief that if he gains 10 pounds or loses 10 pounds, I really can't tell. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I Mm -hmm. just don't see people that way. Mm -hmm. And so when they come to the studio to get their pictures made, I don't see them for, you know, how few wrinkles they have or how skinny they are. I see them for, like, their inside. And so... I guess maybe that's my superpower is bringing out that in their photographs that I'm not looking at them physically. I'm looking at who they are as a person. That's a really beautiful superpower to have. Well, thank you. I mean, obviously, a huge part of what we do is to make people feel special and beautiful. And if that's something that you're really great at, I'm sure that has a lot to do with people referring you and people coming back for more shoots. Yeah, it's funny, too. I, I listened to a TED Talk a while back from Allison Cuddy. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but she talks about different body positions and your testosterone and cortisol levels and how they change based on how you're sitting or you know the way that you're positioned. And huh. I also incorporate that into the session because I want people, when they come in here, to feel good when they leave, right? So I want them to like literally feel good. And yeah, so I I use that too. It's another little trick I use. I wouldn't call it a trick. I really truly want them to feel great. So I'll have to look that up, that TED Talk, because I haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Her last name is Cuddy. It's C-U-D-D-Y, Allison Cuddy. It's a really, really good one. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, and again, just going back to how you were always the breadwinner and, you know, you all of a sudden, it wasn't just like this typical paycheck coming in anymore. Do you still feel like 
you have the pressure on or do you feel like your business is just kind of like a, you know, just like a well-oiled machine at this point? No, I still feel the pressure. I, I don't sit down and, you know, run the numbers like I used to in the beginning. Like, okay, I need this many this month to, mm-hmm. you know, make the dollars or whatever. But I do still feel that pressure of, you know, I've got to stay active and I've got to keep, you know, reaching out and bringing people in. So there is still a little bit of pressure. And especially right now, you know, with COVID-19 and all that, I do feel it a lot more now. And so I got some really good advice the other day from a marketing strategist. And he just said that, you know, I need to stay visible with my audience and encouraging, like nothing about selling or, you know, packages or any of that stuff. It's just about encouraging that things are going to get better. So... Yeah, that's really great advice. And and another thing too, I, I just thought of is I wonder if this might be a good time too to continue building that business to business relationship with with other businesses because other businesses that are closed down right now, they're probably like, well, I can't work with my clients, so you know they want to stay top of mind. So I wonder if this would be a good time too just to reach out to other businesses to you know try and do some partnerships. Yes, absolutely. Like I mentioned, that one salon that I'm working with, you know, the back to me package. Yeah. And they're looking for ways to encourage their clients to come in and spend more than what they normally would. Right, right. Very cool. All right, Kylie. Well, this leads me to questions that I ask everyone at the end of each episode. Okay. All right. So number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're shooting? Definitely my hair dryer or a fan for the hair blow. <laughs> totally. Oh, I love it. As I always say, like, I'm beyonce you right now, and everyone gets a right. kick out of that. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. I mean, using the hair, like the fan or the blow dryer, it really does add an element if you do it right. I mean, there's, there's right. a way that it can be, like, so overdone, but it is such an important tool for me in my shoots, too. Yes, yes. I love it. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you're not photographing? Well, having a coach husband and two active boys, we are always at a practice or a game of some sort, whether it's football, basketball, baseball. I am always at the ball field. (laughs) Sports mom. I love it. Oh, yeah. Number three is what's your favorite inspirational quote? Okay, so this one actually comes from Sue, and I say it all the time. My kids are like, oh, there's Sue again. (laughs) (laughs) She says, if you can't change it, you have to accept it. And if you can't accept it, you have to change it. There is no other option. Mm, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it is so true. Yes. It is so true. And you're the only one who can make the changes. That's right. I love that you say it to your kids. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. Number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? I would say don't buy anything. You know, don't spend money until you have a portfolio that you love and until and, until you've mastered what you already have. You know, you see all these things online or, you know, everywhere that, oh, get this and your pictures will look like that or get this preset and, you know, mm-hmm. your pictures will look like mine. That, none of that's true. Don't spend any money. Save your money until you know exactly what you need. I think I, I did a lot of the opposite yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of people do that. It's like with the wardrobe, for example. I think pe- yes. a lot of people say they feel like they need to have all of these dresses in their studio, and and it's like I didn't have any of that, you know, at, at the start. And then when I did start buying them, people weren't even really wearing them anyway. They were bringing their own stuff. It's like right. I don't know. Everyone just gets this idea in their head that they have to have this full wardrobe and all of the bells and whistles, and you don't. I know. I have a whole closet full of clothes that nobody uses. 
Yep. I ended up getting rid of so many. I just donated like a ton to just save space. So yeah. 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 So what's next for you? Oh, gosh. I wasn't prepared for that one. What's next? Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do a lot of video, mostly for sports, but I think video is a place that I want to expand to. I've Mm -hmm. been learning a lot about video animation and some other things, and so I really want to take my videos to the next level. I do a lot of behind the scenes, but I want to start doing more work for clients, like testimonial videos for clients. And maybe not really like commercials, but just short clips that they can use on social media and on their website to grow their own business. Yeah, that's a really complimentary thing to add to what you do Mm -hmm. now that it seems like it's such an easy upsell, especially for your personal branding clients. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And where can people find you if they're looking for you online, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all under Kelly Day Portraits. And then I have a website. It's kellydayportraits.com. And if they are in Tennessee or anywhere in the Mid-South, we are in Germantown, Tennessee. Awesome. So if you need a shoot in Germantown, Tennessee, you know where to go. <laughs> absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you, you shared with us. I think I love the business to business piece. I think that's something you know we haven't really gone too deep into with other episodes. And I think that's really going to be helpful for people to listen to. I know it's got me thinking a lot for sure. Very good. Very good. Awesome. All right, Kelly, you take care of yourself during this time and we will chat soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.